Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hello, friend. It is Angie Austin and friends with the good news. We've got Jennifer Bishop and Cindy Marsh and Donna Hetzler, the good news gals, and of course, producer Dave. And one of the things that we like to share, positive news stories, but also uh, the good news of Christ and how uh, the Lord helps transform people's lives. And uh, I love this website, I Am Second, and Dave and I discussed it, and I said, Dave, let's go there and start sharing some of these testimonies of people, some of them famous, some of them not famous, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed some of the testimonies we've shared over the past few weeks. We've got a a Dodger uh, that Dave really enjoyed this testimony, and we want to share that. And then we also have another uh, story called God's Garage, which I love, since I call you guys my God Squad, so I thought that was pretty cool. Everyone doing well, getting ready for Christmas, everything, you know, good with you guys. I love this time of year, all the Christmas So does Jennifer. He loves it. Do you, Cindy, do you love Christmas too? Cindy goes crazy for what she does is Cindy's a caregiver. She's a nurse. You know what all of you guys are? It's so funny that I have friends that I have surrounded yourself with us. (laughs) I have. No, but I've always done this. It's interesting because I don't know. I am a caregiver now, but I wasn't, I don't think when I was younger, because I'd had such a difficult early life, I was a survivor. And so I found friends like you guys who were loving and nurturing because I was probably missing a lot of that for my younger life. So I've always been attracted to people like you guys. Interesting. Isn't hmm. that? Nurturers, caregivers, loving, giving. But then again, oh, let's be honest. Aren't all people kind of attracted to you guys as friends? Let's be honest. Oh, she's Aww. so Seriously. sweet. Let's give her a group Seriously. hug really quick. I remember when I met Cindy. I said, so-and-so Love says they're you, your best Andy. friend. Oh, I met so-and-so says they're your best friend. So-and-so says they're your best friend. And then I realized all these people were telling me. Cindy's best friend, and now I think I'm like her best friend. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And she said to me once, "Well, they're not all my best friends," she said. But I realized then that they love her so much, and that she's so kind to them that they believe they're her best friend because she's one of the best friends they've had. And she, and yes. Cindy makes you feel like a best special friend. Does. You know, like oh, we went and had you. coffee, and just I mean, she made me feel so special. special. And she's we were talking about our spiritual gift. She's like, I'm an encourager. I'm like me too, but I—I I mean, we I just love too. Oh, I yeah. love people. Me too. I love people, and I love just getting to know and them. You make time. It for intrigues them. me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and I love looking at their hearts. And I think when you connect with anybody that way, there's a bond that happens that make you feel special because right. not—we don't have a lot of places in our world where we really connect. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, and I, but I'll. I do. I, I want David to talk because he's. I think he's got something to say about what he's going through with this with situation. But Cindy, I do have to say before we jump to Dave, when I met you, I bonded with you immediately. Like mm. we did get, we did um, exchange. Like I found her on Facebook. Like as we're standing there, like chatting the first night I met her, and then from then on, you know, was like we a just kind of got each other. Yeah. And we the first time I did. ever met uh, Cindy, she spoke to me, and it felt like we had been friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. Just the, as how Aww. easy it was. And then actually through this whole thing, when, uh, with Jason, 
which has been very, very difficult. So so my son has recently been diagnosed with neuroblastoma. Um, Over the weekend, we've tried to have it removed, and we're still waiting to get word back as to whether he's going to need chemotherapy or not. And um, you have all been the most supportive people that I've ever known in my life uh, through through this entire thing. And uh, just one thing that really touched me is Cindy sent me information about this doctor that's doing... Um, research, research on neuroblastoma. We weren't sitting together. We hadn't really been talking about it. I get this message from her proving that she was just out in her regular life doing everything, thinking about me, which made me feel more special than uh, than a lot of people. You know, you don't. I've never really had people do that for me before, and so I really appreciate that. And you know, I've always wondered if anyone ever would, if when I'm out of the room, do they even think about me? And so it's really nice well, to know that kind of thing. Well, when we've said we've been praying for you, we indeed have. And well, it's of course interesting you have. because we amazing. did a prayer call, you know, a group prayer call. But um, Jennifer, she says it's a blessing and a curse. She takes on um, other people's feelings. And like when you shared the diagnosis with her and your son was just turning four on the day that it was his birthday when you got the diagnosis of the neuroblastoma. And Jen was just sobbing. And she called me several times, just <clears throat> sobbing. She's like, it's a blessing and a curse. Did I, did I care so much? It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> just sobbing. And you, know, and you guys have just met each other the last few months, but yeah. she really cares. Yeah, and hundreds of text messages from Jennifer Bishop. <laughs> which really I helped. I mean, and I, I was I getting bombarded with a lot, but I look I up and I see and it's always I, prayers. It's always something so kind and so wonderful, so generous. She so. called me over and over again. I know that there she is again. She wants to know what's Stop going on with Dave. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, so let's um, let's start with God's garage, shall we? You want to explain this one and what this uh, good news story is all about, Dave? So it's been a couple days since, but I, I think if I remember this correctly, this is a group of guys who are all Christians who found that people in the mechanic industry can be a little shady, and so what they want to do oh. is help kind of underprivileged people have well-running cars. So and that's kind of the whole oh, idea behind there. Because, you know, that's, yeah. that can be the problem. I remember when I lived in low-income housing after my parents were divorced. My mom had four kids. We didn't have much money. And uh, she... You know, if your car get breaks down, it's a it's a big deal. It would, like, drain our savings account. And, you know, she was pretty... She didn't spend much money, let's put it that way. So we usually would have enough, but it would really take down your emergency fund to get the car fixed. Right, right. Here we go. This garage in Conroe, Texas, is as well-oiled as its machines. But these volunteer mechanics labor without a paycheck. They don't want one. It's definitely... Um an investment from the heart. Fixing more than engines. Here, they jumpstart people's lives. Women who could use a lift. Smile. Single moms, widows, and wives of deployed troops. Stress seems to just fall off of them because they, they have a new start and they know it. At God's Garage, their cars are fixed or a used car overhauled and given to them for free. Single mom Susan Lanuski needed a car to take her daughter for cancer treatment. It saved her life and mine. And in reality, it really has. Founder and former pastor Chris Williams started small in the garage attached to his home. Six years later, a field of donated cars to give away. Now a nonprofit garage where miracles are as routine as maintenance. So are tears. It's even hard to my, hold back, huh? Even my big burly mechanics will uh, tear up and, you know, 
dust must be flying. One of those moments came as once homeless single mom Elizabeth Rollins sits in her car for the first time. Her new way to work. With everything that's been going on, it's made everything a lot better. A sight giving everyone's soul a little tune-up. I love that Aww. dust in the eye. The big burly mechanics, like I'm not crying. It's dust in my eyes. <laughs> That's too cute. That really we have cute. a tradition every year at Christmas where we gather around the Christmas tree individually, and um, we have personalized ornaments, and we say what we're thankful for and what God did in our lives each year. And one of our best friends is like a brother to us. He lives in California, and he's this big, you know, six foot bald guy, burly, and um, he was tearing up and talking about Dave and how much he loves Dave. And uh, your husband, my husband, yeah. Dave. Yep. And so as Eric's tearing up, he looks at us and he goes, huh, I must have gotten some pepper in my eye. You know, <laughs> so I love this, this whole God's yeah. garage thing. Yeah. And the burly guys are even touched by, you know, the work that they're doing. And uh, they're just getting dust in the eye. They're not crying. You know, I, it's, that's a that's a like a um, an interesting uh, balance beam in life to be on about teaching your kids about crying. Because my son, yes. who's uh, you know in sixth grade, is in middle school now, and when he gets frustrated or he's upset with my husband or whatever, he bursts into tears or cry or go whine. And I'm like, dude, like you are too old now to be whining about that you don't like it, that you can't go outside and ride your scooter or whatever. We're not right. talking about like the major disappointments in life or you smashed your finger with a hammer. We're talking like, like what is that balance beam in life where you're like trying to teach your kid like, look, you can't just cry because you're mad that your dad won't let you, you know, go outside and play with your friends. Like that's too little of a thing to cry for anymore. Like, you're too old for that. But I also don't want to turn him into that guy who like is embarrassed to cry you know but it gets to the point where it's like silly he probably cries like four or five times a week and i'm like dude really (laughs) (laughs) really you know and i my my daughter's eight and i swear that he cries as much as she does about like not getting his way yeah i think yeah having a son who now we did not raise him um, to suck it up and men don't cry. That's not how we raised no, I, our I, son I, we, as yeah, all. And you guys all. either. But like you said, it's a fine balance. Of, right. Like, like, really? like, okay, you know. When you're I'm frustrated. Just, just frustrated. That's, that's not a reason. reason right. Because it's more of a temper tantrum. Right. 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 That's a whine. Yeah. Whining yeah. A is whine. different than <laughs> crying. Oh, I know why. He, I know when he cries. Um, we have these family projects. So we put together this, we call it, it's a hall tree. So it's like lockers and hooks and it's big. It's like six foot by like 10 feet. It goes in our garage and it took about four hours to build, I'd say. Anyway, um, the kids didn't want to help with it. But they wanted their basketball competition machine, which is awesome, to be put together, right? (laughs) And I'm like, I gather them all around. I'm like, kids, let me tell you something. Your dad said he wasn't putting this together for you. But I'm telling you, if you help him build the hall tree, he will absolutely 100% put together the basketball thing. That's, by the way, when I got stabbed accidentally in the head with a screwdriver. (laughs) Because my son, like, fell off the step stool and stabbed me in the head with a screwdriver. And I didn't know it until the blood was running on my face. My girls burst into tears. But anyway, um, so we're doing this family project. We build the hall tree and like the great memories that go with that. I mean, if I show you the pictures on my phone, like they had so much fun. And I said, see, but my son, when he's asked to do things like that, if he'd rather go out and play, that's when he'll get the tears. And I'm just like, really, dude? Over Not like, working. You don't want to help? Yeah. So anyway, they learned now that this cooperation if they help my husband with these, you know, um, mm-hmm. chores or whatever, Projects. that um, he will, um, I'm going to show you, there's a picture of my daughter. and Because all, the, he really expected a lot of them. All of them were on the 
like floor, like doing, look at her. She's screwing things in, I, you I know, so she's wonderful. actually, he's giving her drawers and he's giving yeah. her things to look finish. Look what he's And it was kids. chilly. It's wonderful. And, and just like things that I wouldn't have thought they were capable of that he had them, you know, do. And they, they did it. And I think they felt pretty satisfied and yes, confident. And it was awesome. pretty fun. You know, we did it all together. And it turned out really well. Um, I don't know that they looked that happy when they're done because they weren't sure. <laughs> they, they weren't sure dad was. But it was late. Late for me is 8. You know, that's like my bedtime on a regular night. And so at 8 o'clock when we finished it, I said, so will you do the basketball machine for him? And he said, yes. And I said, see, I told you guys if you helped him that he would do it for you. And then we did that all together as well. And they stayed up till like midnight or one o'clock doing this thing. It was unbelievable. It's a Christmas present, but we know they got it early because we're leaving for the in-laws. And that's another thing, by the way, make sure whether you like your in-laws or not, that you let your kids um, have access and time with the grandparents. That's like one of my things. That's like uh, important to me because they want my my in-laws are such, yeah, if the in-laws want to have time, Uh, my, my in-laws are such great grandparents. And I don't know if they're that into me at all, but they're such great grandparents. So when we go there in Chicago, I even said to my husband, I said, now there's going to be things because his mom gets super irritated if like things, if you don't do things her way. She gets irritated with me and she might not talk to you or whatever. So I just want to try to keep the peace. I said, if things get, you know, heated, let's just go off and do something. Because to me, to let something like I'm sending presents there, and she really didn't want me to. She wanted me to do my own separate Christmas, and then we'd go there, and she'd do her Christmas, and I wouldn't have any presents under the tree for my kids, which for me was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Right. So I sent presents. I said to my husband, you call her and let her know that we are going to send presents there. Yeah, not all of and them. And she hasn't talked some. to me since, by the way. Uh. You know, and it's been weeks, and so I know it might be awkward when I get there. But I said to him, I said, look, we work so hard we don't have room, energy, or time for petty little grievances over small petty things, and that's, that's a right. petty thing to me. So I have some presents under the tree, big deal. If we have to ship them via UPS back, so what? We'll do it. Right. And so I will not expect any, ask her to do that, you know, because that's her <clears> thing. She's like, well, we don't know when we're going to haul all that stuff back. And I said, so we'll, we'll take care of it. So with that said, I said to him, let's just have an agreement before we go there. We're not having fights or getting into arguments for petty things. We'll just leave and go to the gym or do whatever we need to do to avoid petty grievances and fights. So anyway, my point is, let your kids have time with their grandparents because they need it. Well, it's hard though, because if somebody really doesn't like you and they they want to kind of, I call it emotional blackmail. Like if you don't behave the way I want you to behave, then I'm going to take my love away from you or not talk to you or not be nice to you or give you the silent treatment or while you're talking to me, I will turn my back and walk away from you. That I think is emotional blackmail. And what the reason people do that is because they want to get control of a situation and have you behave the way they want you to behave. And so for me to not feed into the anger of someone trying to pull, like be mean to me and pull their love away from me give me the silent treatment in order to like get their way now don't get me wrong my mother-in-law is a, is a really wonderful grandmother but she I also have to keep an eye on one of my kids is not her favorite and she told the kids oh no no I don't have a favorite the other two that are the favorites laughed because she did tell my daughter that you're just like your mother you look exactly like her and you have oh, exactly no. the same personality and she's the one that's not the favorite wow. and neither am I 
you know, and so I, it's, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that she thinks we're alike and she's not real fond of either of us, mm -hmm. but she, in general, is a really good grandmother, even if she doesn't really like me that much. So I've got to let the kids have access to her because they love her so much and she loves them so much. And then I said to Faith, um, that's, I guess I just gave it away, the one that, uh, she isn't, that isn't the favorite, um, she said, well, I just can um, hang out with Grandpa because Grandpa doesn't play favorite, so she feels like he will... Um, I go, do you feel like he stands up for you or that he'll be there for you if you feel like you're not, you know, if you feel like grandma's not being fair to you? And if you ask my mother-in-law, she would say a hundred times over that she doesn't do this. Mm -hmm. But the one time um, the kids did hear her, this is, you're not even going to believe this one. And you're going to be like, what? You, how, how did you let this happen? Um, she gave something to Hope and then Faith said, why don't I get that? And she said, because she's um, cuter and she's smarter. Uh -oh. She's nicer and she's smarter than you are. Oh, no. And then she supposedly said it as a joke. And, um, and then the other, the kids all heard it. And then um, my husband asked her about it because Faith... Um, had it repeated from that one of the other kids said it to her. My children said it back to her, what grandma had said. And uh, she came to me and she's like, don't they know I have the best grades? You know, like, come on, they need to get it together. Like, that's how confident she is that she's like, well, they must be missing, you know, they're misinformed that they think that. <laughs> you know, like, you know, hello, she's only eight, but she's like, they're misinformed. So anyway, um, when my, I said to my husband, I'm like, that, that's not cool. You know, like the kids can't say that back to her. Yep. Uh, so uh, I have to walk a fine line with, you know, faith and making sure that she's protected because I don't want her to be, you know, labeled um, or feel inferior to the other kids. So that's another plan I have, too, that if faith needs to go places with me, you know, when the other kids stay behind, that she can because I feel like yep. I need to watch out for that a bit. Yes, Yes. I still think it's important for kids if the grandparents, like you said, Jen, want to be around the kids. Right. Because you haven't always had that be the case, that they've wanted to spend a lot of time with them. No, and unfortunately now it's um, Chris, <laughs> poor Chris. Um, he, I know, because he's like, great, Mom, you're talking about me again. But we do I talk know. about our families. Sorry, Chris. I know. Um, he's. I'm sure he's not listening. He is, he's 19, home school, you know, in college. It's finals week. It's okay. Um, but... Now, the last two cards that he's received from my husband's parents are unopened and on his desk, still at our home, and he doesn't even live there anymore. And I asked my husband, I'm like, has your parents even asked, did he get them? And his birthday was in May, and we're in December. And then I think they said, and we're like, you know, I'm sure that there's a very nice gift. And he said, not interested. Wow. And for years we did, you know, I might, we would make him go to these things and, and not make him. That's not the right word at all. We would all go as a family. And they just have done things over the 19 years that showed him, that, you know, I just, I remember Stephen's dad saying very, very distinctly saying kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. And he heard that. You know, and these things, and, and that's just how, I, again, nothing against them. That's how they were raised. Um, you know, I love my parents' husband, or my, my husband's parents. Be, I mean, they, he wouldn't be here if, they, if it wasn't for them. Yeah. And they both have crazy stories, too. Uh, you know, both of them, um, dad, dads died before, I think, Stephen's mom was two, and Stephen's dad was two when both my of their dads. My mother-in-law was really young, too, when her dad died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think that does mold you and uh, yeah. make you very, um, the self-preservation, like, you know, she had a wonderful mom, and I think you really have to learn how to take care of each other, and if there were three, the mom and two girls left to really look out for each other, but outsiders like I think I still consider myself to be kind of an outsider me too and don't get me wrong I'm not saying she, she was a great mother and she's a great grandmother yeah. 
Yeah. She's just not really that thrilled with me. Yeah. And I don't think it's you. I think she has issues. Right. You're a very strong woman. So to come into another woman's home that's a control freak and doesn't want to let go and wants things her way. And I've always Mm -hmm. raised my son to we do it this way and this is how it is. And then I can see you all cute like, hey, we're here and we're going to open presents or, you know, just whatever doing what Angie does. I like to include people, like to invite people. I like to, you know, that's just how I am. And I love how you had Faith realize that she's misinformed. So she realizes yeah. this yeah, is not face, about like somebody said something about yeah. me. That's so not true. Haven't you that. told him I have the best grades? How smart I am? Like, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm super cute. Why did they not know that? How yeah. cute I am? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Perfect. She has yeah. wrong glasses on. That. She doesn't have yeah. her good glasses yeah. on. Yeah. Has she been drinking? Because she drinks a lot. Of, she even like I made a joke the other night because uh, Grandma had a few Cosmos and she goes, I just want to tell you kids, nobody's a favorite. And face like, well, she said nobody's a favorite. She's like, we all know she has a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll be right back with the good news. Good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie. My favorite vacation spot in the world has a deal for you. It's YMCA of the Rockies. It's their 110th anniversary at the YMCA of the Rockies, and they're offering lodge rooms for $84 per night. My whole family stays in one lodge room. That deal is through the end of December and includes two free breakfasts every morning. And here's some of the things that are included. Some of these cost a little bit more, but most of them are free, like the roller skating, swimming. There's a Nordic Center. It's a little extra for rock climbing. You can learn how to do archery, horseback riding at Snow Mountain Ranch. The s'mores and the campfires are so much fun. Sometimes there's singing and sometimes there's movies. And we see this guy called the Mountain Man. My family loves this spot. We go at least twice a year. And we will be enjoying this offer ourselves as well. Again, it's the 110th anniversary. YMCA winter deals, 84 bucks for a lodge room. A family of five can sleep in one of these lodge rooms. And again, two free breakfasts per day. Check it out, YMCA. MCAOfTheRockies.org. Hello, hello, hello. This is producer Dave sitting in the driver's seat today for Angie. She couldn't make it, but I could not pass up the opportunity for this very important and uh, very special to me interview. Um, today we'll be talking to somebody who um, influenced a lot of different people. We're talking about somebody who influenced a lot of people, and uh, particularly the person we're talking to. Um, Many of you may remember this or not. I know we're not exactly a sports show, but Mr. Hockey, up until 1980, was Gordie Howe. He's one of the greatest hockey players of all time. And today we get the pleasure of talking to his youngest son, Dr. Murray Howe, who recently wrote a book about the things that his father taught him. Hello, Dr. Howe. Hello, Dave. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Completely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So um, let's talk about this. I know a lot of people do know Gordy as, you know, Mr. Hockey, as this guy who was, he was uh, just a whirlwind on the the ice, just a goal-scoring machine, and maybe possibly the best hockey player ever. And uh, not a lot of people know all of the great things he did just as a wonderful man. Why don't you tell us about some of those things that we may not have known about? Sure. I mean, he really, he, as, as great as he was as an athlete and as a hockey player, he really exceeded all of that as a, as a person. He just, 
he just had this uh, phenomenal uh, way about him. Um, if you can summarize kind of all the lessons I learned from him, you can really kind of boil it down to, and this is both what I learned from my mom as well as my dad, um, was that that your greatness is really not based on anything that you achieve in your athletic career or in your uh, in, in your uh, academics. It's it's really the impact that you have on people, how much you give of yourself to people, and uh, um, and you know impact them in a positive way, and and uh, so that's something that they really drove you know home to to all of uh, me and my siblings, and and uh, basically kind of um, inspired us to just you know reach out as much as we could to people, and and uh, never. Uh, uh, you know, never, never waste a moment to try to try to uh, help out or um, try to, uh, you know, make make somebody's day a little bit better. Well, what a beautiful message! I really appreciate that. We actually talk about that a lot on the show. Um, we talk about how even small, tiny little things like just a hello to the person at the counter at the grocery store or even something like that could dramatically change somebody's day and maybe that you know maybe change their entire week or something. And so. Uh, I really appreciate that uh, that message, and um, I think our audience can really connect to that. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the book. And so, I'm really sorry to hear that your dad is gone. And everyone, I don't know if anyone knows, but um, it was last June that we lost Gordy Howe, the great Mr. Hockey. And um, this whole book came from your eulogy, which I actually had the pleasure of watching on YouTube, which is just so touching and so beautiful. And what an honor that must have been. Thank you. Yeah, you know my uh, my brothers and my sister aren't aren't uh, uh, the the they they don't love public speaking. Put it that way, and so they you know nominated me to be the uh, the, the speaker for the eulogy, and uh, I was very honored to do it. I I, uh, I I I said it would have taken a team of horses to keep me from you know uh, going up there and and paying tribute to my father because. I had so much respect for him and, and just really looked up to him so much. And I felt like I knew him, uh, you know, as good as anybody, you know, on the planet and uh, and could really do justice to who he was as a, you know, as a father and as a man. And, and um, you know, he passed away on, on June 10th and um, only a few days after that was Father's Day in, in 2016. And I woke up on Father's Day and I said, you know, I, I just had felt such a hole in my heart that I couldn't spend the day with him because I always tried to make Father's Day extra special and, and uh, you know, plan something with him, go fishing or golfing or whatever whatever that that, uh, that he would really enjoy. And uh, um, I said, what could I do now that he's, you know, gone? How could I, what could I give him, you know? And I said, well, what if I wrote down, you know, everything that he stood for and who he was as a man and as a father and and that was really the the genesis for the book right and the book at i want to say i haven't read the entire thing yet but i've been reading through it so easy to navigate the way that it's written is just so touching and real and it just feels it's it's it, you fly through it, really, be, just because it's got all these wonderful messages. And then um, I also think that it's great that it's nine messages, just for the number nine. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure that was no accident. Um, but then just each, just the and the way that you 
plotted out and each message from each chapter i just think is so such a wonderful message and um you know just hearing all these things from somebody who was revered for something else completely and now we get to revere him for this whole other aspect of his life yeah it's really exciting and and you know he was just such a unique and incredible you know person i mean you take almost any character trait that he had and he he really uh exceeded you know um any you know all expectations in 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 that way i mean he was he was so humble that it was it was hard to imagine that somebody of his athletic accomplishments could be so humble and he just he never acknowledged his own you know physical you know his own physical greatness and that's what made you know made him so special i mean it was he was just so understated that way and yet, you know, when when you're around him and and you know doing something with him, you know he could demonstrate you know his his power, and it was just such a joy, you know, as a as a kid to to play you know any sports with him because you know in wiffle ball, I loved playing it with my brothers who were also amazing athletes because you know they couldn't really hit the ball much farther than me because it just kind of drops after about uh, 20 feet. But my dad could still bang it across the, you know, across the <laughs> whole yard and, you know, to the next neighbor's yard. And we would just stand in awe, you know, of what, of what he was doing. And, uh, you know, for a dinner and occasionally we'd have lobster for dinner. And he could literally crush and break open the, the claws with his fingers. And, I mean, like with one hand. <laughs> and I've never seen a human being do that before. And, uh <laughs> He just—he just was—he—he he was just a, such a physical anomaly. But again, he was humble, so humble about it that it was—it was a joy to be around him, you know. And he—he he also, you know, it, it inspired you to not talk about your own, you know, accolades or whatever, because you just kind of felt like if he's not going to talk about, you know, all the great things that he is, you—you just—you'd feel embarrassed, kind of, you know, sharing anything that. Uh, you might have accomplished because it kind of pales in comparison to him. Right, right. I, uh, I, I really appreciate that too. Just because, especially in today's climate with all the athletes, and they seem—I mean, yes, they're physically talented, but they seem off the field to be just not for the right message, and they seem to be so lost. And having a little bit of humility, I think, is so, so important. It really is. And and uh, you know, my dad, one of his favorite uh, sayings was. Don't read your own press clippings; you'll start to believe them. <laughs> and uh, I I love that because it just really you know kind of drove home the point that you have to be careful no matter what you accomplish in your life because you know you're you're in the end you're you're a human being you're just a person like everybody else and you know there will come a time where maybe nobody remembers you or recognizes you and and you have to be okay with that you have to realize that. That's, those those you know those things that you're famous for are not what make you are not what make you great and so you know you need you need to keep um you know using all of your your time talent and treasures to you know to to impact people in a positive way so so that when you can't you know shoot a slap shot anymore that you're still you know you're still as impactful to to the world around you Right, right. I'm, what a beautiful message. And um, so let's get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty. I, I understand that this book came from the way that you felt about your father and the way and kind of from the eulogy and just the, the lessons that you learned. However, all of these lessons 
are universal lessons that can help you live a more full, more happy, just more content life. They really are. They're 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 almost a guidepost for living, and and it's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, just recently, as I, I've read the book probably 150 times, you know, like just over the course of of creating it and and you know uh, honing it, and every time I read it, I kind of come away with some new epiphanies, and it, it as I as I look back at the nine lessons, I say, you know, really, my father's life if you could sum it up he was he was like a definition of of uh you know uh saint paul's description or definition of love i mean the guy was you know he was patient he was he was kind he wasn't boastful you know uh he wasn't arrogant um he was you know trustworthy he was you know always a protector i mean you can go on and on i mean he was such a loving person not just in being you know a, a hugger and soft spoken that type of thing but just in the in the way that that he always deferred to everybody else in terms of making sure that their needs were met you know ahead right. of ahead of his and the i guess the 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 paradox there was because he was so selfless and uh um um you know uh generous to others he was the one that ultimately reaped the benefits of that because it brought him so much joy in terms of reaching out and impacting others that uh, i mean he was the 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 happiest guy i ever knew and and the, the you know the most uh unstressed and uh you know just joyful you know people he had this wonderful inner calm you know he never raised his voice his entire life I, and I, he's the only human being i know uh, or that i can think of that never raised their voice in their life and uh um you know just never seemed to be stressed about anything he was never late for anything he always you know he planned <laughs> his life in a way that he would get there arrive early and chit chat with with people and see how he could be helpful and just a wonderful you know way to to, to live your life Sure, sure. And uh, as we go through each, as you go through the book and you get to each chapter, they're all about those specific lessons. My particular favorite is the one that I've read the most, that I've read the most thoroughly anyway, was play hard but have fun. I, I live by that philosophy. I feel like that is one of the most important things is you want to try as hard as you can, but if you're not having fun, what's the point? Right. That's exactly right. And both of my parents, you know, really through our whole lives, you know, they kept saying, make sure that you're, you know, enjoying what you're doing. And if you, if it becomes not fun, then do something else. And because you say, what's the, you know, what's the point? Why are we here? And, you know, but also to give it everything that you have that, you know, every task or chore that you do in your life has your signature on it. You know, I mean, even if it's simple, as simple as, you know, folding the laundry or, ma or making a bed, you know, that you take, you take pride in that and doing it well, taking your time. And, you know, you can, you can feel good about what you, you know, what you've done. And, and certainly, in, you know, in hockey, he just took that to the nth degree. I mean, even in the, in, you know, in the, the zenith of his career, he was the first one on the ice at practice and the last one to leave. And he, you know, he never left anything to chance in terms of his physicality and his, um, you, you know, working on new skills and and honing the skills that he had. So, um, you know, he he 
he really gave it a hundred percent, but he, you know, he did that absolutely in, in everything. And, uh, you know, and it brought him joy in, in doing that. And he also, he kept a light air. If you, if you watched him in a, in a hockey, uh, in a hockey game, when he was warming up, he'd be having more fun than anybody else. You know, <laughs> right. he'd scoop up ice shavings and drop them over the side of the side <laughs> yeah. of the glass on, on somebody's head. And, you know, those things were just, you know, it, it made it fun for Kim, made it fun for the, the fans. And, uh, you know, and it also just kept him, kept him loose. You know, he wasn't, you know, worried about the game, or what, what was going to happen and this and that. And, and it didn't mean that he didn't care. It just allowed him to just be really, really, you know, relaxed. Right, right. And then going off of that, too, I think the one chapter in the book that sticks out the most is Be Tough. It's chapter seven is Be Tough, which you wouldn't think with all these other lessons that you're learning, it kind of sticks out just because it seems more like, uh, you know, this is kind of like a hard-nosed type of thing. But it really mm. isn't. It's more of a different kind of toughness. It's not the traditional kind of just be mean and tough, but it's this other kind. Yes, yeah. I mean, a lot of the, you know, toughness, um, you know that I, you know, I speak of is, is, you know, is really more of a, you know, a mental toughness of really making the tough choices, doing the right thing, you know, even when it's not, you know, even when it's not popular, and uh, you know, I think that's really, you know, that's really a part of it. And another part of it is just kind of again putting yourself, you know, uh, uh, you know, behind others' needs. So you know, if, if you're, you know, if you are hurting, that. Uh, you know, you, you, it's not still all going to be all about you and what about all my, you know, ailments and this and that. You know, you, you, in, a, in, in essence, you kind of suck it up so that, you know, you can be more of a, you know, contributor to, you know, your, your team and to the, you know, those around you. And, uh, um, you know, it was, it, it, it's, it's really just about allowing, doing all the things that were required to really be the best player that he could be. And, and you know, and a big part of that was just, you know, kind of, as I say, dying to his own needs and, and uh, meeting those of, you know, those around him. Sure. And I mean, and I just think the funeral was such a testament to that, to the way that he touched everybody's life uh, on and off the ice. I, I mean, as a 12 hour procession through the stadium. Um, not yeah, everybody was, gets it, that. You can just just the sheer amount of people that he touched. I think that is, you know, it's it's so important that we understand that he touched you. He influenced your life. But look how many other people he touched. Exactly. And we were blown away by that. I mean, I, I always knew that my father was, you know, was, was revered and was admired. But at the, at the, at the, the visitation at Joe Lewis Arena, I was absolutely astounded. Really, our whole family was at what an impact he made on so many people. And I mean, we were pretty much standing, you know, in that line receiving people from 9 a.m. to you know, to 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, we had originally thought we would just kind of be there available so that if somebody wanted to kind of come over and say hello to the family, you know, they could. But we stood, you know, at the, the, the front of the line at the beginning, my brother Mark and I, and we were so blown away by the stories that I just couldn't, I couldn't leave the the line. I just couldn't help but, you know, listen to, you know, everybody pouring out their own, you know, heart and, you know what he meant to them i mean i you know i had stories of you know one woman just said you know her 
her husband's dying wish was to be, you know, buried in in a Gordie Howe jersey. You <laughs> know? So cool. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, oh, it was unbelievable. It, you know, and people traveled from all over the world to be there. And, and uh, so, you know, I mean, I took a 20-minute a break, you know, in the middle of the event, and that was it. The rest of the time I was there just listening, and it was, it was really a remarkable experience for me, and, and so eye-opening, and, and a part of, again, the reason of, you know, of, uh, you know, of, writing the book because I, you know, I just kept thinking, you know, what makes him so, you know, to impact people in, 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 in such a way and, and, you know, to, to be able to share kind of those, those, you know, those traits would be, would be tremendous. Right, right. I mean, it's so beautiful. So anyway, I'm sorry, but we're running out of time very quickly. Of uh, If you could please tell all my audience where they can go get the book so they can hear more of your stories and maybe where to find you if they have any questions or how to contact you. Sure. So um, Nine Lessons I Learned from My Father, it should be available at bookstores everywhere. And it seems to be selling out quickly. So if, if you can't get it at your local bookstore um, or you have to wait too long, then you can get it online at, at Amazon.com uh, or other uh, online bookstores. Um, and you can read more about it at uh, the Penguin website. Uh, if you just Google Murray Howe Penguin, um, you will find the book. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about it. Tell us some other ways that you can, can uh, purchase the book. And uh, also has uh, some links to, there's an on-tour link that shows uh, some of the sites that I'm doing, uh, doing signings and appearances. I'd love to meet uh, some of the people, and, and, uh, and that would be great. Well, that's so awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Howe. I really appreciate you coming on the show, and what a beautiful story, and thank you for sharing your story. And everybody, go get his book. It's going to be so fun, and look up where you can go meet him, maybe get him to sign your book. You can tell him how his dad influenced your life. Thank you so much, Dave. It was a pleasure. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. For over 120 years, the Denver Rescue Mission has been providing services to those in need and the homeless in the metro area. It is the oldest full-service Christian charity in the Rocky Mountain region. Since its conception in 1892, it has expanded to helping the homeless and hungry to provide services for men and single mothers, offering programs such as rehabilitation for those suffering from addiction and abuse, education and career centers, family services, and life restoration. The Denver Rescue Mission is always in need of your assistance. You can help this growing organization by donating clothing, food, furniture, and more at any of the drop-off locations. For more information on their services, ways you can help, and to donate online, go to denverrescuemission.org. denverrescuemission.org. Changing lives in the name of Christ. 
Hey, it's Angie. Would you like to look younger, feel better, and do it at like an economical rate? Like I want to do a lot of things the stars do. Well, guess what? We can afford to do a lot of these procedures. Dr. Jillian Chiquetti is joining us, and Dr. Jillian is with LoveYourSkinDenver.com. And at her spa, she is a physician. She oversees the entire spa. And she's got a great deal right now on gift certificates, $25 off each $100, which is a great gift. You can also sign up at her office and you can have a list of what you would like sent to someone you love. And Dr. Jillian, one procedure we're going to talk about in particular today is one that may scare some people. And I've done it. It's called dermaplaning. So explain this one. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Um, Yeah, dermaplaning is a really great procedure. And the reason is that if you've never done anything at a Medispa, it can sound sort of you know, scary and intimidating, like needles and injections and all that kind of stuff. But dermaplaning is a professional exfoliation treatment. So think kind of like microdermabrasion, but take it up a notch. And we basically use a surgical grade scalpel to um, treat your face. And it's basically glided over your face so that it scrapes off the top layer of dead cells um, and all the sort of debris that gets stuck on your face from all the products that you use. Um, It also also takes all of the peach fuzz hair off of your face. So you walk away with this like glowy, dewy, extremely smooth complexion. I actually like to call it the baby butt facial because that's <laughs> how smooth your skin is afterwards. <laughs> yeah, my, my girlfriend just did one and she said the same thing, how smooth her face was. And the first time that I did one, um, I, there's no pain. I mean, I, I, there's no pain whatsoever. So for people who are a little intimidated by it, uh, nothing painful at all. And I've been to your spa and I did a procedure recently, the Vivace facial, which was amazing. I've had so many compliments on my skin, just looking good since I had that done. Now that one is supposed to be painful as well. You use needles, but I didn't think it was bad either. Like no painkillers, no, you know, taking any kind of medication, nothing. So a lot of these things you can come in and you can look better and it can be a lunch hour procedure and you told me that my face might be pink that night and I went out no mm-hmm. one said a word I didn't have any makeup on and no one said anything like oh did you why is your face pink or your face is red nothing I went to out with my kids and did lots of things and no one said a word yeah you know my spa what we're focused on there is effective procedures with very little downtime that um, you know if you're going to spend money in a beauty budget we want it to work for you and we don't want you to be you know down and out for a week So pretty much everything we offer has, you know, at most maybe a six or eight hour downtime. That's it. And loveyourskindenver.com. Tell Dr. Jillian that Angie sent you and you can get that discount on your gift certificates. So if you spend uh, $75, you'll get a $100 gift certificate and you can multiply up. So every multiple of 100, you get $25 off. And Dr. Jillian, you said um, effective uh, procedures with very little downtime. And I really respect that because when we did the Vivace, I've had procedures done where people... It just hurts and they don't say anything. You tried out different settings on me and found out which one was comfortable for me so you could get the most bang for your buck per per se. So you found out exactly how how much power per se you could use so I could get the most results. So you didn't go too far where I said, oh, that hurts. Um, But you didn't go so easy that I didn't feel it at all. So I could feel it and I got the most results for what was comfortable for me. 
Yeah, we're, you know, all of our procedures, we pride ourselves on customizing them for you. And so that includes, you know, the settings on the machine, the products that we recommend. We're not, you know, you're not going to get the same thing um, as the person before you because it's customized and personalized to your skin issues and the, you know, the questions and problems that you want to deal with. Well, I think it was neat too as a trained surgeon and now in the beauty business per se with the MediSpa. Um, I have a feeling, Dr. Jillian, that word of mouth is going to be a big thing for you because having been in your spa. I, I'm so happy with it. I've already talked to friends about you. So I think word of mouth is going to be big for you because of the way you treat your patients and the experience is so pleasant. That's what we hope for. We hope that when you come to see us, first of all, you don't feel like you're at a doctor's office, that you feel comfortable and that you leave educated and feeling like your money was well spent um, with, you know, um, procedures that help any concerns that you have boost your confidence and make you feel better about yourself. There's also Bloom. If you're losing your hair, your hair is thinning. It's a wonderful treatment to get your hair back, to thicken that hair up. Uh, also a weight loss program. And then, of course, the procedures we've been discussing just to help you look younger and feel better. LoveYourSkinDenver.com. And also your number, Dr. Jillian? Our number is 303-457-6710. Excellent. And again, a gift certificate's a great, uh, a great deal for Christmas right now. Thanks, Dr. Jillian. Thanks. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.